This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I think you guys will all like choice time. It's such passive aggressive parenting. So I don't, you know, when it was, when you have kids, it's like snack. We're going to have snack for snack. Let's bring it for snack. Can I have a snack? Snack is discussed a lot with kids like snack. And then they're always trying to get treats in and pretend they're just like snacks. And I have a snack. I'm like, that's not a snack. That's like Swedish fish candy. But snack is a whole like thing that you don't say as much as adults. Like I'm going to save it for snack. So snack is a big thing. And then I feel like it starts in school like choice time. We're going to have choice time now. So kids can either hold their whoopee, read a book, sit in the corner, play with blocks. It's choice time. So my fiance often says, I think he started it because I think it's been going on. I've known him since the kids were young. And so I think he used to say choice time. But it really, it's really passive aggressive for like leave me the fuck alone parent time. It's not like this really lovely thing of just like, well, it's choice time now. Joshua, you can look at, you can read a book and do bedtime and story and you can have milk and cookie for snack, but it's really like you, you've done an activity with your kids. You've just gone to see the Christmas lights or you've gone to Rockefeller Center or you've done tubing for the day or you've gone to an escape room or you've done, you really, you've just put your back into parenting and then you get back in the car and there's just been a lot of talking and activation as I call it or you, you did that and you also went out to lunch and had to deal with a bunch of different kids eating chicken fingers and everyone got different and, and it's just gross food and you feel disgusting and you're just like drinking alcohol at lunch because you're just trying to cope through the parenting day and then you get home and you're just like, 
your kids want something else or they want to talk about something else or some other activity because they never give up because they're Duracell batteries. And then you say, um, okay, let, let's, I think it's time for choice time, which means like everybody just shut the fuck up and leave each other alone for a good significant period. It's, it's time. And in fact, it's really choice time for parents. It's not for kids. It's like parents choice time. It's like, I'm taking a nap or I'm taking uh, a bath or I'm taking a bottle of tequila, pouring it into a blender with some lime juice, some Cointreau, some ice and some strawberries and blending. Cause that's my body and my choice. It's my choice time. So I think you will enjoy choice time as a nice parenting tool. Our guest today is Lady A, highly acclaimed country trio composed of Hilary Scott, Charles Kelly, and Dave Haywood. Since 2007, Lady A has steadily come to dominate the country music scene. The group has 11 number one songs, 18 million albums sold, and 5 billion digital streams, not to mention their five Grammy Awards, 14 AMC awards and countless other accolades, yet they remain capable of living a very normal Nashville life. Off the stage, Lady A is just as phenomenal. They created Lady Aid, an organization designed to bring awareness to many social issues and philanthropic efforts happening worldwide. They also started the Lady Aid Scholarship Fund to financially support students attending historically black colleges and universities. You are going to love this one. Please welcome our guests. Where are you all now? Nashville. Nashville. And um, are you all originally from there? I'm born and raised here in Nashville. Um, and then Charles and Dave moved here in 05. Yeah, we, we, we grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Both went to University of Georgia together and then moved to Nashville and met Hillary. Um, and so what, how long has the band been in existence? It'll be 16 years this yeah, May. 2006, um, Charles and I moved up just to be songwriters, um, just to try to pitch songs to other artists. Um, and we were writing songs and met Hillary at a bar and just started writing songs uh, as a trio, uh, sort of, again, thinking we would just pitch songs out to other artists um, for them to record and just be songwriters. Um, but we had written a handful of songs together and it just kind of felt pretty special couple of the songs had some kind of back and forth, male and female kind of duets. And um, so we kind of started the band then. That was August of 2006. We played our first yeah. show. Came together really naturally. It's like we still kind of treated it as a side project until probably about the fourth show. And you could kind of tell like, okay, this is, this is growing. This is in this, you know, this is different than anything we were doing separately. Really? That's so amazing. And also the, the writing, producing versus performing of it is an interesting dance. I was watching the Kanye West documentary, Genius, and how he really so badly wanted to be taken seriously as a rap artist, even though he was producing and writing for major people. And then for other people like Pharrell, they're known as mostly a producer, but really successful. Uh, and it doesn't seem like he had that same desire. So I wonder where that balance is in the desire to perform and why you held yourself back in your mind that you would just write for other people in the middle, in the beginning. Well, I think for us, I mean, I, I, I can speak for myself. I mean, to me, it always seemed like a pipe dream to actually be the artist and the performer. And I kind of think I had too much of a, you know, too much of a realist of being like, oh, you know, let's just sit back here, write songs and, and maybe get into the business side, you know. Um, but honestly, I don't think we really had, 
we hadn't thought much about it. Dave and I both graduated with finance degrees from, from Georgia, and we just were like, man, I want to give this a shot. You know, we always knew we had that to fall back on, but we wanted to kind of give this, uh, this music thing a shot, but I don't think we actually knew exactly what it was going to be, and we didn't really have a vision. We just knew we loved music. You, you, were, know? you were performing. Hillary was performing a lot more. She was kind of doing a lot of solo stuff. So, uh, you know, her mom is a country uh, artist, and, uh, I mean, she was performing regularly. So I think that was yeah. probably more in your mind. So, of, so tell them your yeah, whole story. It's I mean, yeah, pretty intriguing. Because I so grew up here in Nashville. Both my parents moved from their hometowns. My mom's from East Texas. My dad's from near Charleston, South Carolina. They moved to Nashville for music. My mom would say when people would ask her, you know, what do you what do you want to do when you get to Nashville? She's like, I'm going to the Opry. She like that was her dream was to play on the Grand Ole Opry, and um, they eventually became a part of Reba McIntyre's touring band. And my mom sang a duet with her um, that won a Grammy was highly successful called "Does He Love You." So my mom's name is Linda Davis, and so Linda Davis started really performing live a ton when I was 16, and started writing when I was 16 with a lot of songwriters here in Nashville. Um, ha- got a publishing deal when I was 18, was working on a solo project, um, had a development deal on another label in town, and in March of 2006, showcased for that label. Um, they passed on me. They said I wasn't a good fit, wasn't the right time. And then two months later, I walk into a bar and meet Charles and then meet <laughs> Dave quickly after that, and we start writing. So it was really one of those, like, when God shuts a door, he opens a window kind of things. That's amazing. Wow. And it's amazing that the three of you, married to different people, living different lives, have this dynamic. I want to understand what the dynamic is. Who is who in the Three Musketeers? Oh. <laughs> I, I think everybody's got their own kind of role. I mean, I, I you know, I think I definitely am, am kind of a in your face kind of more of a, the force of the band and um you know uh, really trying to push us a lot hillary's definitely much more of the heart uh and the spirit behind the band and i mean dave i think just is that like he that's almost like I, we call him the mad scientist he's kind of the guy that like doesn't necessarily sing the lead but he's you know producing a lot of the stuff he's helping to create this strategizing execute it you know where i think that you know i'm probably much more of the dreamer than i don't really have that execution uh and so everybody so he's operations you're the create like in in my liquor business i was the creative person he's director of operations okay it's worked i mean it's evolved over the years too where like you start recognizing each you know each other's strengths and letting them take the lead i mean there's so many things that i'm like i i I don't care a part of this, like the imaging. I mean, Hillary usually leads that whole vision of like, you know, videos, photo shoots, how the stage is going to look. And I'm like, you know, it's not my forte and vice versa. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of different things over the years that we figured out. And, you know, and it's like, you know, when a lot of people ask, like, who's the leader of the band? It's like, well, we're not. Nobody. There isn't a leader. We're all individually, you know, make, make, make the whole thing work. Well, and in business, it's it's very. I was just talking to my assistants, who two of them, they have very differing skill sets, and sometimes one of them could get frustrated with the other or myself if one doesn't understand something else. But if everyone really does what they're good at, it actually becomes great because the two of them are better. I don't need two of them to be great at the same thing. That would be redundant. So it's it's very much like business. But I, and I don't think people 
have an easy time finding that dynamic in business or in music for that matter, or in partnership or in relationship. So I thought that, that I think that's one of the most compelling things. Um, and your, your, your partnership started in part because of MySpace, right? Wasn't, wasn't social media part of the, the beginning of this? Yeah, it was how I discovered Charles's music, the music that, come to find out, he and Dave were writing together. And so um, that was a place where I remember I was still living at home a lot of the time, and I would go down to the basement of my parents' house and hop on my dad's desktop, and I would be checking emails, and I'd hop on MySpace and just kind of go and, and discover music. And I found... Um, Charles through his brother, Josh Kelly, who's an amazing singer songwriter, who's just, I love and loved then. And he had Charles as one of his top eight friends, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Most people probably yeah. at least young, much younger than us don't even really know what MySpace is anymore, but it was huge for us. <laughs> it, was. it was huge for five strong minutes. I was, I was never cool enough to be on it. I didn't understand it. I barely understood Facebook, which came later, but do you now, because of that, from the beginning, do you think social media is so important? Is it a huge part of your success, your model? Are you good at it? Um, I will say we felt like, we, especially in our genre, we were some of the first ones to really kind of take a camera around and post a lot of footage, you know, road videos and stuff like that. I mean, as we've gotten a little older and with families, I will say it's 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 more of a conscious effort to have to keep up with it, to try to... You know, I mean, there's always something new. Like, we just finally joined TikTok, and I still don't quite get it. I'm like, what separates this from Instagram? I'm like, you know. But um, but we try to do our best with it. But, I mean, I will say, you know, the fir- those first six, seven years, I mean, we documented the whole journey. And we would do these weekly, we call them Webisode Wednesdays, weekly videos that, we, you know, we had a guy come out and edit them together. And it was really, uh, it was, you know, kind of kind of something we definitely felt you know, that we, that, that was kind of unique for us and our brand early on, you know, and people got to see, see who we were as, as people. And so, uh, and getting so, yeah. back to our individual roles and what we bring to the band. I mean, it was Dave, Dave was mm-hmm. such a proponent for, we're going to take yeah. a camera around. We're going to capture footage because I, I'll never forget. You said it would just be so cool to see our favorite artist kind of in different elements and different situations. Oh yeah, behind how the sausage gets made. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so you really forged the way and, and we brought someone into our camp that really that was their job alongside yeah. probably helping do some crew work, you yeah. know. It's was, a discipline to do it. I do relief work all over the world and everyone says, or certain people say, you need to have this be a documentary, but it's a discipline to do it to have someone to, to invest in it, you know, but you'll have it. I mean, is it going to be a documentary? We have tons of footage about how we write, how we record, how we make records, and then how we tour and travel the world and perform. And yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've got lots of great stuff we could use in some capacity. We did, we did, uh, when we, one of the live video um, shows we did, remember that? It was kind of a little bit of that back the behind DVD the scenes. Thing. Yeah, the DVD, back, yeah. back of the... People play DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, you just fill it in with interviews now, like current, a different perspective or a different entry. I mean, point. It, you know, it's it uh, to get back to what you had said too. You know, finding the right band. You know, I mean, I find the right people to work with. I mean, all my favorite bands broke up after like six or seven years. Every single one of them. And I remember just thinking to myself, you know, as uh, I like to call myself a realist, like. You know, this isn't going to last forever. And now that we're sitting here 15 years later and we've had 
plenty of ups and downs, but for the most part, I've always kind of respected each other and gotten to lean on each other. Um, and, and it's always been about the music and putting that. It's remarkable. Well, it's always being about the music. It is remarkable, though, because I'm sure you've had ups and downs, and any business partnership is going to have sticky conversations. Oh, that I'm doing all the work, and that you're making this money because of me, and all that. And what about, like, a prenup? How did you so organized to have a good prenup 15 years ago about business in music with three people? Often three's a crowd. It's just unique. It's the most interesting thing to me. Yeah, I can't remember if we even have a thing in there like if somebody leaves if i think we just basically said if one of us ever left in the band you know because like it wouldn't be the same who gets custody of dave (laughs) (laughs) yes um and your families are they all close are they all do they are they do they love this whole sort of marriage they get jealous like what's the dynamic of the families i mean i think we learned once we started our families you know a lot of our perspective shifted from the standpoint of like, we want to work, we want to provide for our families, we want to do what we love to do. And also, you know, we have a a large band and crew that we, you know, give work to. And so it comes with a lot of responsibility. But we also know because we want to do this for a really long time, these years with our kids, we're never going to get them back. And so trying to find that really healthy work-life balance um, has been a real priority for us. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and it was interesting. I was the first one to get married. And I remember like when my wife would be, she'd always be there. And I remember us having like a little point of, you know, like, Hey man, does she have to come to every little thing? And I, and then like they got married and they're like, I remember like it was one of y'all after you got married said, I just want to let you know, I apologize. Yeah. I totally uh, get it. Man. Oh yeah. And yeah. then, and then, then she was the first one to have a baby and we had to take all this time off. And it was like, okay, we had already laid this groundwork of this is, you know, there's going to be these firsts. And, you know, it was the first time we had ever not been on the road for a year or so. And it was like, that was tough. But it was like, mm-hmm. but this is how, you know, by us being able to to balance and actually have real lives, um, this is how you can have longevity. Because I remember we did a CMT Crossroads with Stevie Nicks. And it kind of broke my heart. We were talking, it was right I think you had just had Isley and, and she yeah, I was pregnant with Oh, you were pregnant with yeah. Isley. That's right. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I, I could never have gotten, had a baby. And, I, and, and she was like, I would have broken up the band. And I was like, that kind of breaks my heart. So you never mm-hmm. got to feel like you could actually have a life outside of the band. You know, it just was, I don't know. It's kind of sad. So, I mean. Well, also folding it into the batter, like you evolving and changing with it. And I'm sure it changes the music too. It changes you as people. It changes the music. I mean, the depth probably of the music, the what the music means, I, I assume, just as people. Over our years, for sure, especially the last couple records, I mean, there's a lot of songs we just couldn't have written in the beginning. You know, I mean, you go through, you walk through life, you have families, you go through ups and downs, you go to counseling, you just learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about, um, you know, what, what we want to do, what we want to say. And so, I mean, there's some really deep material, I think, on the last couple records that just have come with time. So the songwriting's mm-hmm. definitely, the songwriting's definitely grown in that way. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. 
podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham scam beware listen to season two of trapped in treatment on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts we started talking about this incident drugs and uh, officials cover up (laughs) you couldn't believe it from iheart podcasts it's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always gonna have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
What's your relationship to fame, your level of recognizability, of normalcy, and where you live, uh, you know, you live in like the epicenter of the music world. So how does all that come into play? It's interesting. I mean, I would say there's still kind of this real respect living in Nashville. Um, as it's growing and more people are moving here, I feel like there it's it's shifting a little bit, but but even still, everyone is so polite. And and I will say there's a lot of anonymity being in a trio. Like, yeah. I think Charles probably gets it the most just because he's 6'6". And when you walk through an airport, you're going to look at him anyway because he's just so <laughs> tall walking into yeah, a I was going to say, half the time, I don't even think it's like, you know, it's like, God, that guy's tall. And it's like, wait. I know like that. you're somebody from a circus or and something. Like, I know that it's guy. It's like a tall circus something. man. No, yeah. I mean, we get all the time. It's like, you're that guy from that band. I'm yeah. like, Close enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it really is. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. I, I mean, you know, there's times where you're just like, gosh, I get to go. I mean, when I go out to like dinner or something with, with like Luke Bryant, it's just constant people coming and looking and doing. I'm like, God, it must be tough being like, that's tough. It's like you want this, but then when you have it, and I feel like I get just enough taste of it. Well, toward... there's a certain level of fame. That's why I asked it. And, but, or, or, you know, get to perform in front of like 15,000 people and then come off and then literally, you know, while we're riding home, like stop at the subway, I have the bus stop mm-hmm. and walk in and nobody cares or yeah. notices. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that can't do that. And I feel like it has led to, to a, a certain sense of normalcy for us too outside. I mean, and I surround myself by buddies at home that could care less and that don't work in the music industry and you know and so uh, there's definitely a lot of that 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 uh that grounds us but yeah. we're really not yeah I, th- I think we're just lucky <laughs> i mean we're just lucky being in a trio i mean to this day i mean we were at i was in an event the other night you know and you know somebody's like who who are you are you from that band you know lady you know they just sometimes people don't put it together unless we're all three walking together doing yeah. something you know, seeing somebody from a band. So I think we feel lucky. We count it as a blessing. Yeah. I mean, we count That's it as awesome. a blessing because we go, you know, buy all of our own groceries, you know, in my uh, Lululemon pants all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's nice to just kind of like feel like we live a pretty normal life here in Nashville. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I, and I imagine, but I was wondering if that was like that in Nashville. So what about, so the name change is a big deal in the world of music, a brand change effectively. Did a logo change? Like what did that, was that anxiety producing? Uh, It was sort of forecasting the potential for getting into some trouble or people not, you know, you know, you know, everyone's afraid of cancellation now and thinking like, oh God, I should think about that. I have the brand called Skinny Girl and now I'm not going to be inclusive because it didn't even mean that to begin with. It was a low calorie margarita, but you think of these things. So what about that whole process? We just talked together over, you know, the early summer of 2020 and and we we really reached out to some of our closest friends, um, people of color and asked them, you know, is this word, what does it mean to you? And and because we'd never asked that question and it was unanimous that that they saw our hearts, they knew that it didn't represent who we were, but that it offended them. And so we thought, okay, you know what, in the times that we are in, that we've been in, but especially this this momentum that was building around just this movement, like this is something we can do. And so we decided to change it and we we knew that there was possible, you yeah, know, yeah. That, that's that a lot of people may or may not 
understand why, but our hearts were forward and, you know, the letter that we released um, around it and um, we were unanimous in the decision. Yeah, I think for us, I mean, you know, anybody that's ever heard our music knows that like there's, there's, you know, nothing but love and just wanting our music to represent that. And I think, you know, when we came up with the name, we were taking pictures in front of these antebellum homes and we just thought it mm-hmm. sounded kind of Southern and, right. um, and you know, as you grow and you see, and you're like, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of words I used to use growing up that like, I would never even dare think about say, saying or like trying to, and we just don't want to be associated with anything that would make any sense. negativity, any right. negativity. We want it to always be about the music. And then like I she said, this was our, you know, a part, uh, a way for us to be a part of that change and to say something uh, in a strong way. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people from both sides of the argument that did not agree with it, but I think our fans know our hearts and I think our fans, you know, hopefully applauded us for it. Um, And only time will tell. And I think our actions are going to tell. I mean, we've grown our charity work so much more. I mean, we've always been really strong with children's organizations and we've even grown that into, um, a lot of different education programs. And I just think after having kids and we've got kids, we're like, I don't want my kid to in 10 years when he's in history class go, why would, why do y'all name yourself this? Like, you know what I mean? And I think all those conversations, again, it's not something you really think about when you grow up in the South. You're just like, is what it is. We kind of romanticize words like that. And uh, that's what it was about for us. And, um, and yeah, I mean, there was some hiccups early on with it. I mean, it was some, you know, but everybody had been calling us Lady A literally from the yeah. first year. The second show we had, Oh, so it was a no-brainer. That's what yeah. I was about to say. I yeah. think it would have been tougher if we didn't have that. And all of a sudden we were called, hey guys, you remember that band? Now they're called Two Dudes and a Chick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Meant to be. That's so interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't have. That's interesting. Um, and you're each in successful relationships and you have a successful relationship with one another, which is very, uh, admirable. And I, we talk a lot about successful relationships on this podcast. What are your number one sort of rules, rules and relationships about either communicating or arguing or, you know, and what are parallels in business that you find in your personal relationships? I mean, I feel like being in partnership with Charles and Dave years before I got married helped prepare me for marriage. I think just with communicating with two men, with two men who communicate very differently from one another, um, I, I I think it's taught me a lot. Um, there's two, obviously, that I'm in a band with and a bus full in those early years, you know, with our band. Um, so it definitely helped me. And I think, you know, Chris and I, we met in college, we're friends, and then really reconnected and started dating about almost six years later. So there was this comfort level that I had with him that he had known me prior to any kind of rise to fame. Um, And he was a drummer. And so after we got engaged, we brought him on as our drummer. He toured with us for seven years um, through the first, um, through the birth of our first daughter, she came out on the road with us. And then when we got pregnant with our twins, because our twins just turned four, um, he said, it's time, you know, I think it's time for me to step aside. And I'm, I would love nothing more than to be a full-time dad. And that's what he's been doing for four years. Really? Interesting. And was it hard to work with someone who's in the same industry? I mean, was it hard to be in a relationship with someone that you work with? You know, I think we, because there were kind of three bosses 
there was a nice balance to like we would make decisions. I, I felt like we really managed it well. I mean, there's yeah. there was definitely some it you know it was it was something to navigate. I think, but all things considering, um, it was it felt pretty easy, and y'all could speak to that. Yeah, I mean, well. honestly, I mean, I think it was nice because you know Hillary's she's such a homebody too. I think early on it was like we brought him on. I mean, he's one of the best drummers. So it wasn't like we're sitting here bringing on some <laughs> awful drummer. Right. And he was so special. And uh, and you know, it probably if anything for her not getting a break from your your husband because <laughs> I will say sometimes yeah. having that healthy break <laughs> is nice. But yeah. we she's such a homebody. I, I think it helped her not miss home so much having him out there on the road you know we were so it was a busy time and then being able to have um you know our our kids out there on the road i just think because my wife doesn't work and she's able to come out anytime and that's Mm -hmm. such a blessing and so um you know i i think in the end it was it was such a great decision and i I mean i was honestly really bummed when he decided that he wanted to step off the road for a while because he's such a great drummer but i totally understand it and respect it and and I just think that's, it's just that whole part of our little evolution. It's, uh, I mean, gosh, we used to stay up drinking after every show till two. And then <laughs> after about five years, it was all right. A little, And then now it's like, you know, we're getting done with the show and I'm, I'm tucking my baby into bed, you know, and watching, you know, HGTV. <laughs> right. And drinking wheatgrass. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I think this, I was just going to add, I mean, I think this relationship I mean, it just feels like a marriage. I mean, you know, we've learned so much over the last few years how beneficial and healthy it is to just have an open line of communication. Um, much like a marriage. I mean, we're not going anywhere. We're not walking away from each other. So if somebody has something to say, we, we listen. We find a way to say it together in person and work through it and talk through it. And I don't, we've walked out of so many great moments understanding each other better understanding each other's priorities and, and understanding what we all want for the band as a whole the, Enne- the enneagram was really good for yeah, us yeah, yeah, yeah. you ever heard of the enneagram where you're like are you a one or a two a nine like different numbers it's like a personality no you'll have to look oh, it really? up, but it's basically kind of like it's almost like just how we how, there's like nine different really different personality traits or, or, or strong personality traits and how we communicate with each other and the three of us are all very different and how we grew up was very different. You know, if you came from a family where y'all like yelling and arguing was just part of it, but if you came from a family that wasn't that Who did? Who came from an arguing family? Oh me for sure. I mean, but I have <laughs> brothers, sisters, you know, and so like when I used to get really passionate about something, I my hands are going I'm like this and I'm all in your face. And it was like, okay, uh, oh I never thought right. that that was, you know, Something that was a little... That's interesting. It helps so much with self-awareness. I feel like the Enneagram, it just helps you kind of figure out how you respond in in stress, how you respond in health. And and a lot of companies, I think, have started bringing it in to to show their employees. I love that. I I can't can't believe I didn't know this. Right. It's really intriguing. Yeah, Yeah, it's fascinating. Wow. Okay. I'm going to look that up. But it's... uh, It's like the disc profiling, if you've ever heard any of those personality typings. But it just gave us some tools to understand, you know, for someone like me, I'm conflict avoidant. So I walk into a room and I'm like, how do I not say anything about anything? You know, that's just just who I am. And so like, but for them to know that and understand that, then it's, you know, for them to reach out and go, hey, how do you feel about this? What are you thinking about this decision we need to make? That's a big decision. Um, so it's just get, it's given us a lot of grace and empathy for each other. It's been a great, mm-hmm. um, just a tool, but it's just been giving us a lot of empathy. But I, just the relationship has grown 
light years in the last three to four years, I feel like. Just learning each other better. We're all in different places with our families. We just feel like we are on the same track with priorities, what we want for the band. I mean, we just want to work smart, not crazy hard. Um, <laughs> continue to just pour into, the, to oh, pour into the yeah, music. Yeah. And I mean, when we're happy in our personal lives, then we walk into a songwriting room and that's when I think we really write great stuff. And so how do we keep our product and keep our music at the top? And it comes with us kind of staying healthy and happy personally. That's so true because I find that my greatest creative times are when I'm relaxing. Like when you've had some time to, re and not the first day, like when you've really just folded, like allowed yourself to relax and heal. You know, the best ideas are between sleep and wake. That's because you're not like dead. You're not like not awake, but you're also not like, let's go. And I got to do this and I got to do that. You're kind of like in that hazy time where you could actually have a thought. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and I agree. And I like I stack, meaning I, if I'm have hair and makeup on, I want to do all the things we have to do and bang it out today so I can then have that other day to just be with my daughter and breathe. I feel like as we get older, we're not just like sort of young and living on fumes and it doesn't matter. You know, that balance is important. Who spends the most money? Oh, gosh. I don't know. It might be us. kids. I, that might count. Oh, you're balanced. None of you are crazy. Oh, who'd you just point to? I think Mick Cass and I travel so much. Like, we, we'd like to do a lot of travels. And, I mean, cause I'm not going to be like one of those guys. Like, my wife spends all the money. <laughs> oh, yeah, we yeah, both, no. We both, like, I will say, like, yeah, we, 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 we can go pretty hard in the paint when we want to, <laughs> especially with like wine, dinners and travel and you're living. But, you know, we're also really smart, too. I mean, we grew up, Dave and I, you know, we went business school. And so I feel like I've got, you know, we've got families that really, you know, we were really lucky. All three of us grew up with just great supportive families and kind of learned early on, you know, we didn't want to make any of the mistakes that a lot of, you know, artists and people can make of, you know, just blowing it all in the first few years. So we've been pretty smart, but. I think we all spend a lot of money on different things. Yeah, that's like, a good ah, point. Like, that's Dave, a good point. you've got an incredible studio and oh, you've yeah. invested in your I guitars. Yeah, and I won't bat an eye to you know, spend your money. Um, yeah. I've got a lot of children <laughs> and um, <laughs> clothes and. Yeah. You like to travel, so it's like yeah. you like experiential. And golf and golf yeah, yeah. My wife hates nice. that. She's like, maybe we have more money to spend traveling if you stop joining golf courses. <laughs> That's amazing. But you and you all grew up what? Upper middle, middle, or I grew up um, pretty pretty modest. Um, and then when my parents got their job with Reba, that really changed everything. Yeah, I'd say I, I had a little bit of a juxtaposition. It was like my parents divorced when I was five. Um, and my mama, my, my mama, yeah. um, she, she never remarried, never, but she still got child support from my dad, but he was a cardiologist. So I lived with my mama during the week and, you know, it was pretty modest, but, but, but nice. And, and then I like see my dad on the weekend, you know, and then you kind of get into the, that whole, like the country club world. And so I had this got really it. interesting juxtaposition growing up, which I think it kind of was really nice. It, it, it. It almost it sometimes made me aspire to want to get over here, but then also recognize of what I hate ah. about a lot of that and, yeah. and have more of a grounding effect. Uh, and I had a lot of freedom. I will say, um, living with my mom, me and my, my siblings, I mean, we kind of, you know, really learned how to become self-starters. And, and, yeah. and there was a lot of that because I do think 
you know, we didn't have quite as much discipline. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you had to kind of find your own discipline and uh, and and in yeah. control. But yeah, I think all. Yeah. I mean, I think all of our parents really taught us the value of a dollar. I mean, we grew up in just kind of suburban neighborhoods. You know, my first car was like a three thousand dollar Honda Civic from Same. the '80s. You know, just mm-hmm. kind of just a good balance. I feel like my dad is a di- uh, is a dentist uh, in Georgia, but you know, just a great upbringing and and trying to teach us all the good well-rounded principles and I, I I'm lucky I feel like we're lucky because we are. You, you know when when you do have some wealth that does come in the door you really you know I'm very thankful that we are prepared we see things the same way we put yeah. a portion of every dollar we make into our charity organization we really just I think make wise choices in that space and so that's something I'm I'm proud of with us too Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham scam beware 
Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, would you consider yourselves lucky or smart? What percentage? Mm. Oh, interesting. That's That's a good question. I think it's all, I think it all comes, I was about to say, it's definitely a balance. I mean, mean, in the beginning, I will say highly lucky that I ran into Hillary at the bar because I don't know where we would have gone, what, what direction, you know, it would have taken. But I think once we started this band, we were incredibly savvy and we worked our butts off. We wrote every day. Yeah. Like that was the luck, but you were prepared for the luck. That was the fish, but you had nets. And this, the yeah. But there's, yeah. I mean, Dave's really, really smart. So I would say his, <laughs> his charts, your balance is going to be, you know. I mean, it's right place, right time. I mean, we just, we things just kind of, I mean, there's so many talented people in Nashville. It's shot, I mean, even just the music that you all know out of Nashville, you know, behind the curtain. I mean, that's the tip of the iceberg. So there's so much great art coming out of this city. I mean, I, I walk down Broadway and see bands playing and still kick myself that we actually get to go do it yeah. in a big arena or amphitheater. So I, definitely, definitely luck would get a good 25, 35 well, I was going to say, we'll go 50-50. <laughs> 50-50. Okay. But it's nice. You guys are also nice, so you're probably well-liked in the industry, which gets you pretty far, you know, to be, to be well-liked. And also a genre that... Is, is supposed to be authentic, you know, a genre of music that people want to be humble and authentic, not, you know, a bunch of jerks. There's a lot of great artists. There really is. I mean, you got your handful of, uh, of, of you know, highly egoed uh, artists out there, but for the most part, our genre is, we're, we're really fortunate. And I mean, I call, I would say 90% of the people in our genre are really, really close friends. And there's a... I want to come. I, I've been, but like... To sign books in a mall somewhere, so I only saw the inside of a hotel. So I would love to come. I would love to feel what it feels like. Yeah, come to an award show. You know, do like a present an award, but then come to the little parties afterwards, and you can really get to see everybody. Yeah, just put me right in the eye of the storm so I can do it in one shot, like the Jiffy Lube of Nashville. So one night I could just, like, I know what's going on in one night. We'll tell you where to go. Yeah. All right. Um, and then what last question is your rose and your thorn of your careers, not lives, not, you know, personal lives? Mm. I'll say it. the rose is the music for me. 
The thorn has probably been controlling my drinking. Oh, interesting. I get really caught up in it over you know the past fifteen years of doing this. It's been it's been a constant roller coaster. There's always an excuse to drink when you're in the music business. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just, it becomes a pastime. Even in life, though, with people in the pandemic, it becomes like well, just you know, it becomes like thematic. The way that you go and want hot cocoa when it's snowing, this dog is like, oh, let's have a drink. Let's just have a drink. It sounds so great to have a drink. Yeah. So do you not drink? Are you recovering? Or are you just right teeter now, on I'm the? Right now, I'm not. But you know, I'm not saying I'm never going to. But definitely after the pandemic, I had to take a take a little break. Well, that's interesting too. People now that aren't making grand statements and it may not have presented a massive problem, they just don't feel great about it and the things that it's bringing in their lives. Also, you're not trapping yourself in some corner that it's like, oh, I drank. You know, it, that's an interesting, that's balanced in my opinion. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The, re the relationship with, with, with that. Because ah, I feel the same way. Sometimes as we get older, we just don't like the way it makes us feel or what, you know, whatever it is. So interesting. And what about you? I would say the rose is... I would I would combine like my the music the creative space and my family and the health of both of those I, like that I really am just really happy in at the moment and then the thorn would be it's really hard to travel as a mom and leave your yeah. kids at home um, you know we get the chance to bring them with us whenever we choose to and. But they're all at ages now that um, they, you know, my oldest is like, she wants to go to her back to school thing. We played Nashville the same night that her back to school bash was at her school. And she was like, sorry, mom, see you later, you know? <laughs> well, right. It's also a distraction to you, no matter what you say. In theory, it's like, oh my God, mommy's doing HSN. And they don't care. She doesn't want to see me hawking clothes on television, you know? And that's not as exciting as being an amazing singer. But even when I used to be on TV, she doesn't want to sit in a room and look at a camera of me in the other room. Like, it's not what we imagine. In the movies, you see, like, they're coming with the parents, and they're so excited, and they're cheering them on. It's not really like that in real life, in my life, right? I agree. And, and that, I think, because my I was that child whose parents toured a lot. And so I think a part of my story and the healing around a lot of that for me has been just trying to be as present as possible and it's more quantity over quality when we're in those busy seasons. And so just mm -hmm. trying to learn, learn that and not be too hard on myself and also be extremely intentional with the time that, that I do have. Um, so that would be, yeah, leaving my kiddos would be. The I get that. I get that. Yeah. I think we all feel that too. I mean, it's a great question. Great question, Bethany. Um, I think, you know, for me, the health of the relationship is kind of what we started off the conversation with. It is just the rose. I mean, to be in this 15, 16 years and to go through incredible highs, incredible lows, all kinds of things personally and professionally, and to still be here. And right when we walked in before this, we're like catching up about what our kids are doing and what we're going to do in Vegas and where we're going to go out to eat this weekend. You know, that, that just makes me happy and, and kind of fills mm -hmm. my heart up for sure. So the health of the, of the relationship is, is a joy. I mean, I think the thorn, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was comparison, you know, just sort of like, I think that was something I'm really cognizant of now, but you know, early on, like you're watching what everyone's doing and trying to beat out the next person. And uh -huh. it's just, I mean, it's the classic, you know, it's the thief of joy, you know, comparing yourself 
to what others are doing in the industry and you know what another artist is doing or what a big pop artist is doing and why can't we do that? So, I mean, that was more of an early on thing, but that came to my mind too of, of that. Is That's a great answer because you, it's a necessary evil too to know what other people are doing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, for sure, because otherwise you just don't even understand what's going right. on. But to gauge your success on how you are compared oh, to Oh, yeah. Them. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's funny because I, this sounds, and I feel like I sound like an idiot, an ignorant idiot every time I say this, but it's the truth. I have never listened to a podcast. This podcast is very successful and I've had incredible guests on and I have not listened to a podcast because I wanted to do it my own authentic way. And even I've spoken to publicists that will be like, ask them that, like ask somebody the other day, like ask about who they're dating because they're reading headlines. And they want it to be one of those like chop shop podcasts. That they could just rat out people. You could have been in the press last week about something, drink it. Now I didn't know about it because that's not how I approach this. I approach this by just like reading about you. So I know what you, your kind of your story is, but I'd rather hear from you and explore. So in many ways, is it's good to in some ways you've got to know what's going on in the industry I know what's going on in the industry of podcasting but I don't know what so you know what you need to know what's going on in the music industry but not like the way that Joe Blow is doing their music or the tricks they're doing or whatever I, you know I'm not good at this kind of stuff but I think that's an interesting distinction to understand the business in the industry but have your own creative way of doing things and staying true to that because otherwise you're in the middle of two spaces then now I'm trying to ask a stupid, salacious question about you that someone told me to ask that I don't give a shit about. And then I'm not, you know what I mean? So I'm half an asshole. So I'd rather just do it without listening to the way people do podcasts. So that you just reminded me of that. Yeah, that totally. Awesome. I'd rather be a full asshole than a half an asshole. <laughs> yeah, so full, by the way. That's exactly, I'd rather be a full asshole. That's funny. I'd rather be, I would totally rather be a full asshole than a half. So that's good. Um, wow. I love you guys. This is so fun. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, thank you. That was a lot of fun. It's great to yes. connect again. I remembered that. That was, uh, we had met briefly there. And I remember we were like, let's stay in touch. I don't know what mm -hmm. we were going to stay in touch for. I do too. I remember you had like a quilt or something. There was a quilt. There was a quilt. Oh, you had bedding. You had a line of bedding. That's oh, yes. yeah. That's yeah. right. Wow. You had a quilt. I was like, I know I'm not crazy. I don't know why I just remembered that. I never did not remember that. Now I need a line of, uh, of, of, of skinny girl something with Lady Gaga. Yeah. We'll come up with Nashville. Something. All right, uh, skinny girl Southern. I need to come to Nashville and we need to connect. So, so good to meet you. We'll do, oh, we're going to do these touring. Maybe we'll do one in Nashville, actually. There you go. Yeah, please. Yeah. Awesome. All right, I won't keep you. Have a great day. Yeah, that was so interesting. I met them years ago, and I love meeting people that just live in a world that is so entirely different from my world. I just don't know anything about the music industry, certainly not what that's like in Nashville, and I just find this to be such a great place for natural curiosity, just to find out who people are. And what a testament to be a band that's been together for 15 years, which is like a marriage, and they're just normal. They're just like normal. You'd see them at the carpool, you know, like, like normal, like, dads and moms at the carpool. So I just thought that was so, so interesting and so sweet. And I like the conversation about like, about the, the appropriate level of fame, where you still can totally have a life, but you got a little bit of, this, of the shine, a little bit of the sizzle. Thought it was amazing. Just Be is hosted by me, Bethany Frankel. Just Be is a production of Be Real Productions, iHeartRadio, and Blue Duck Media. Our EPs are Morgan Lavoie, Antonio Enriquez, and Kara Hitt. To catch more moments from the show, follow us on Instagram at Just Be with Bethany.
The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.